You're listening to Red Nation Online. From Schweinsteiger, and now they're caught. Ricketts, ball. Saturday, August 19th. It's Ian Clark. Yep, it's just Ian Clark. Flying solo once again and celebrating an impressive 3-1 road victory over the Chicago Fire. It might not have been the perfect game, but the result is what matters. And against a supposed contender, now clears out the conference of any real threats. I go over the match, highlighting the play of Marky Delgado, Alex Barnum, Michael Bradley. Look ahead on the calendar and exit the match to discuss season ticket renewals, TFC2's move, and the Canadian Premier League. It's all that and more on the next 40 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. Again on uh, RNO Rooftop Studios, flying solo. It's been a while. Since we did the uh, a lone wolf east side stand up, but this is the way things have fallen. It's uh, getting towards the end of summer. Everyone's busy as vacations or cottages all lined up, uh, except for me clearly because my priorities, my priorities are in line. Toronto FC comes first. Everything else, a distant fourth and fifth. So it's Sunday morning. It's not Saturday night. So I know you might be concerned that I'm not right back from the game, but I am wearing the same clothes. I wore last night, so I think that counts for something. 9 a.m. Sunday morning, and it's really fucking hot uh, already. So people, when they listen to this on Monday or Tuesday, they'll say, yes, Sunday was a hot day. So you know that I am doing this on Sunday morning, I guess. I don't know. Anyways, uh, I came up here bright and early. Whenever I'm doing it, last time I did this by myself, I kind of like position myself so that if someone comes up on this roof, uh, they can't sneak up on me and think that I'm some sort of weirdo just talking to myself. Although I'm sure there's people in the building behind me that are like, why is that guy doing hand gestures and speaking to nobody in particular? But hey, I tried. I tried uh, to get someone on this podcast. And if, if any of those people are listening, I promise you were the first one I reached out to. And when I came up here this morning, my, my wife, I go, she goes, where are you? Go- what are you doing? I go, I'm going to go do a podcast. She goes, by yourself? Yeah. That's so sad. Well, you don't you don't get where you are on uh, on iTunes ratings by just uh, doing a podcast every home game. You gotta do them all. So, all that banter to myself aside, uh, here we go. Toronto FC three one victors over Chicago Fire, a carbon copy result of the home fixture from earlier in the year, and, and kind of. Interesting setup. I mean, I'll, I'll do that quick and we'll see how long this podcast lasts. I think the last time I did it by myself, it was about 20 minutes and I've wrote quite a few notes that I think I could go at least the same amount of time, if not a bit longer. When we knew going into this game, as Chicago as our opponent and Toronto C in their current run of form, I mean, we know that they're unbeaten in six heading into this game and they'd had two great home, home victories, a 4-0 against New York and a 4-1 against Portland. Um, and in that six-game run of results or unbeaten run, a couple of draws. I mean, if we're going to get picky, you know, Toronto's losses have been on the road this season. If we want to look to that heading into this game, 
And uh, I guess any of, you know, any of our poor results or poor performances, our poorest performances have been on the road. I'm thinking specifically of New England and uh, DC. So, you know, we're going up against a formidable foe in uh, Chicago who've had a, a pretty good season so far. And uh, a team that, it's funny that how, it's just the, the, the way the, our 10 years or 11 years, sorry, of, of being in this league, I've kind of had these ebbs and flows with rivals and other teams. And I just was thinking how Chicago, in those early years, how good they were, but we still like, you know, you think of Chicago, you think of that first goal. I also think of Chicago as, I, if I remember correctly, it was that last home game of the 2008 season. I'm pretty sure it was a 3-2 win. The atmosphere was awesome. It was pretty, I mean, like the first season when we played New England in the final game of the season, I mean, that was bonkers because we tied it up. But then the second year we beat Chicago, I believe it was 3-2. And uh, my memory of that game, though, was actually Blanco scoring a beautiful goal from distance. Um, but, I mean, the, the vibe in the stadium was incredible. And it's almost like that was the last real game of atmosphere where like the support was all over the place because if you recall at the start of 2009 is when they kind of like put down the iron fist and was like if you're not on the south end then we're throwing you out of the stadium anyways i digress that's chicago fire when i think of it and then they've had this just you know awful awful spell for the last however many years where they used to be this great team and now they're starting to come back you know they've got a really interesting head coach um they've obviously signed some interesting players and this game, I kind of felt a little bit like that first meeting we had at the beginning of the year because there was a lot of uh, hype and how well Chicago was playing out of the gate with Schweinsteiger uh, coming onto that team. And then, of course, after that, it was really when Nikolic sort of, Nikolic? Nikolic, uh, came along and became this potent goal scorer. But now he's on this total slump. When we head into this game, Chicago's now again kind of struggling but I still think a team to be worried of because they were they were really touting up, you know, what their home form was and how they hadn't been beaten at home. And this was going to be the biggest match of the year for them in terms of attendance and, uh, you know, really hyping up that Toronto's coming there and et cetera, et cetera. And there was tons of Toronto supporters that traveled out to that game. So a lot of things were sort of lining up for this to be, you know, kind of a huge tilt. And if I'm thinking back so far this year, I mean, what, what have been the big tilts there haven't been too many road ones that I've sort of circled. This might have been, well, I mean, Dallas was one that I circled, but unfortunately that game kind of has to have asterisks by in terms of who we had available. We didn't have our strongest team. This was, if we talk about this now, the roster, I mean, this this is about as good as it gets for Toronto FC and, and watching this team. Uh, you know, you might say, who's going to be the starting right back, Hasler or Betashore? I mean, I'm sure in terms of, if you talk to the players, in terms of who, you know, team continuity, you're going to say Betashore because he's obviously been here for a couple of years. Um, but Hasler, I mean, you got to give him credit for if we, when we go through this game, that uh, he kind of he put in a good shift and got the game-winning goal. But if we if we started this game, we, we obviously, I'm saying the lineup, but everyone knows the lineup is because it's really, these days, if you think who our best is, it's, it's unchanged. You know, you got Bono, you got Moore, Haglin, as we know, uh, now that injury is, is sort of put him out for another long stretch. That's unfortunate. And we still spoke about that last week. You know, he, I thought this was the season he was really starting to come into, come into his home and kind of just being like a, a solid MLS caliber center back defender. Um, you know, there was still, I think within a system too, like I think on the telecast, they're talking about how good Zavaleta's played. 
I still have concerns. I don't know if Zavaleta is, is a guy that you could trade around the league and he would be your number one center back or defender yet. Um, but within a system, right? And when you have a guy like Drew Moore, who's got so much experience as kind of the anchor, and as we'll talk about in this game, when you have a guy like Michael Bradley, who's kind of playing a little bit of a sweeper role at times and, and really helping out that back line, I think that makes a huge difference for a younger guy that's coming up. So I don't know how much I'll, I'll like break down the 90 minutes um, because there's other things I wanted to, to toss into the game or, or talk about aside from that. You know, the, the way the game came out is, is you know, nothing out of the ordinary. I mean, Toronto is looking awesome these days, just in terms of composure, I would say. I mean, there's really not a lot of times where you're, you know, really concerned. You know, you think, oh, we're, we're a little bit on our back heels. But for the, a lot, you know, when Toronto teams of the past, when another team has had possession, <laughs> you know, you're just kind of like, well, there could be a goal here. Um, but this game, especially in the first half, you know, Toronto looked great at points and then Chicago got a little bit back into it. But I think, you know, I was obviously watching this on TSN, so I, I may have been influenced by that telecast. I'll put that up front. But I mean, you could see that the way Toronto c- controlled the game when they had the ball and when, the way Chicago played when they had the ball was very different. I mean, you know, the, a, lot of, a lot of balls were going through that number 18, whose name uh, I'm drawing a blank on. You know, the, the guy was wide right. And there just didn't seem to be a lot of, they seem to be missing a Vasquez, or they seem to be missing, who I guess might be their Juninho, I don't know. But they really did seem to miss a guy kind of up top who can control the ball. And is that supposed to be Schweinsteiger? Maybe, probably, but as was also pointed out, uh, he almost was playing the Michael Bradley role in this game, where they just couldn't trust that back line especially with our attacking talent uh, without someone out there to clean it up. And that's, as I think we'll note, yeah, that was the first goal where you saw Schweinsteiger lining up with Morrow. And I think it was, it was Jovinka who slotted it in, or it might've been Vasquez, whatever. One of those guys, one of our creative attacking forwards, slotted in to catch Morrow on the line. Morrow pulls Schweinsteiger with him, which keeps Delgado onside. Delgado's there, the right place to pick up a rebound. Now, you gotta, I think you got to put, I think I think you saw it too, Schweinsteiger pointing at the keeper being, what the fuck, man? Because it, I don't know, I think that keeper should have had that ball. I mean, he just, just bounced right out of him and landed right on Delgado's feet. Delgado pokes it home. Who's, hey, he's been looking, he's been looking good all season, but of late, he's been looking a lot better. I think the telecast might have had it right. I think if you're, if you're going to rotate it around, in terms of like who the man of the match was, uh, I think Delgado makes a case for it. Uh, you know, obviously on this podcast, we're super pro Canadian, and I don't mean in a shitty way, but it's like if I'm going to pick a guy to kind of get that last spot in there, that's sort of open, which I think Delgado's position is, I'm probably going to be like, I'd rather see an Osorio or a Chapman get in there because they're local guys, and it's Toronto FC. I wouldn't mind seeing some Toronto players <laughs> playing on the team, but. You got to give Delgado tons of credit. I mean, this was a this what we've seen from him lately, and this season is a lot of stuff we didn't see last year or the year before. I mean, last year he was getting the benefit of the doubt to get the starting minutes, and he was getting. I mean, he looked he looked poor. He was getting subbed out at the half. He wasn't effective. He wasn't linking up well. You know, you can still see in this game his his touch with the ball in terms of passing and trying to find those create the creative play 
isn't quite there yet, but I mean, he's so young that um, I don't think it's fair to be critical on those things. What he has been is, you know, really tenacious. Like a lot of balls that were sort of loose balls that were 50-50. I mean, he's going in for them with no fear, which I have to tip my hat to because that's, that's what you want. And that's what this team, you know, we saw this in this game where there was a stretch in the second half where, if I'm not mistaken, Toronto dispossessed Chicago two or three times in a row of them trying to come out of their end. And it was amazing to see that. It was just like Bradley, like, bosses off, bosses off McCarty or it was a cam or something like that. And then Chicago gets the ball back and they try to knock it up again. And Delgado comes flying in to, like, knock the loose ball and we keep possession again. Things like that. And then, of course, you know, Delgado's being in the right place at the right time. And the only thing I would say is, you know, maybe the same criticism I would have given to Osorio the last few years is that when he finds himself in sort of like close scoring positions, I would want to start to see him trying to create that chance for himself or take that shot rather than immediate look for Jovinka or Josie or, or Vasquez. Because I think that's sort of the tendency for either the young guys or the new guys on the team or to just pass it off to them. So, I mean, Toronto's up 1-0 and they get into the half and it's looking pretty good. However, the second half comes out and, you know, you don't want to say anything fell apart, but of course, Chicago gets back into the game. It's one that you kind of felt, you could, I mean, you, we've seen, we, we, we know what it's like for Toronto to get scored on on the road. We know what it's like for Toronto to score on in Chicago. And as soon as it came loose to Schweinsteiger, you know, there's just, I'm trying to think of other, I mean, like Thierry Henry is one of them. I remember like if he got the ball anywhere with a, within a shout of trying to take a shot on goal, you're like, shit. <laughs> We're in deep shit right now. And Schweinsteiger got it in a great spot. And it was a little bit, you know, I don't want to say it's not a comedy of errors, but it was like, I mean, he rockets it off the woodwork. And I mean, did a cam even see it? It looks like he did. I mean, he raised up his leg and it hits him in the thigh and goes straight into the net. But I mean, I'm sure he could have had his back turned. It would have hit his, the shot was so hard. It probably would have gone off his ass and back into the net. And so there we sit, 1-1. And, you know, the Chicago fans are happy and everyone's, getting back into it so you know you're kind of like shit well i mean a draw on the road against chicago that's nothing to really you know that's nothing to sneeze at it's it's still a good result but i think there's one thing that we've we should take from this team and one thing we've seen from toronto whether at home or on the road is that i mean they usually don't fold up at that point of the game they really have become a team that can score as long as I would say, I would say this though, I'd probably say if Joe Vinko's on the pitch, I think that might be the factor. There's a good chance there might still be a goal in added time. Um, so that's something to like keep in the back of our heads is as the season goes down the stretch and we're playing more important games. But what we saw, of course, is Toronto takes the lead and it's off a beautiful header from Hasler. So if I'm not mistaken, was that it was a Vasquez cross. Yes, the ball came back out and then Hasler timed the run back in on this beautiful ball in and he heads it in and you know you got to give Hasler a little like tip of the cap because you know he comes into a team that's pretty cohesive um it's got to be hard for a player especially of you know European background I mean Vasquez is awfully obviously settled in but I mean I think he he's he proved himself fairly quick and integrated himself into the team and I'm sure they saw that his technique was in, was really good Hasler didn't look awesome in that first game and I don't know if anyone else observes. I mean, they showed a couple of plays where in the first half where he was involved in the buildup. But I mean, there was definitely points where I, for me, I saw balls in the middle of the park 
and Hasler's wide open. And uh, they're like, nah, 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 we'll go back the other way. It just seemed like a lot more was running through Moro for me, and I didn't know, I didn't know what that was about. I just didn't know if it's the kind of thing where they're like, no, no, we're not going to pass to you. There's a couple players sometimes where it seems like it's a black hole, um, and the team isn't really willing to cycle it around in them because they know the play will just end there. So maybe he just has her, he's just maybe, I mean, he's only been here a few weeks, so he's probably got to get built back up, but you got to give him credit. He made a great run. He put the ball in. We're up two to one at the 63rd minute. And observation on that, at the 63rd minute, anyone out there, correct me wrong, I'm hearing on the telecast, you know, really slow, you know, the drum, dun, dun, clap. Dun, dun, clap. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's fucking lame. I mean, Chicago's doing this too now. Oh, this sucks. Like, not that we'd originated anything or whatever, but I mean, that's really become the symbol of, I think, the team's rebirth as a top team over the last year and a bit was that sort of thing going on. But if <laughs> I think that was the Toronto supporters that had did that, how we were doing that at the 63rd minute, if I'm not mistaken. I thought I saw on Twitter people saying that. And if that was the case... Uh, that is a huge shout out to the TFC traveling support that was that loud for picking that up on the telecast and essentially drowning out being that noisy in the opposition stadium. So then Toronto was up 2-1. I mean, that was the winning goal. And if we finish this game off, I think the only things to note were that Beta Shore gets back in the game. That's worth talking about quickly because holy shit, what an injury, right? And for him to come back into the game... You got to be, you got to feel good for him. And I mean, we have depth at right back now. And I guess Hasler, you might make a case that we have a little bit of added depth in the midfield too, depending on, you know, what kind of formation we decide to do. Um, Ricketts gets in the game. And whenever Ricketts is in the game, I'm like, man, I hope he scores. A, his celebrations are intense. And uh, I just like to see him get as many minutes as possible because I think he's a, I think he's just a good, a good part of this team. And he almost, gets the goal. Him and Jovinko link up right at the end, and that's what I'm talking about, where Toronto, I mean, they're they're dangerous until the final whistle, which is such a, ref, you know, so refreshing to see that. His pace is amazing. We saw that, too, actually, when he subbed in. He had that one ball where he was 1v1, and he looked like he was going to beat that guy for pace. And he gets that great spot. He gets into a, you know, you guys get into a shooting position, but I think you got to give Ricketts a lot of credit that he was very unselfish there, and he, and it was the right thing to do. I mean, he could have been he could have said, I want this goal, and he leaves off to Jovinko. And I think Jovinko deserved that goal uh, because of the work that he did in, in the Portland game. And he, was, he played a good game this game too. I mean, he's, he's also been um, helping out. A, I mean, he's, I think he's been balanced. I mean, obviously there's people-level criticism for the amount of shots he takes, and sometimes he dribbles into trouble and this and that. But... You know, overall, we, he's he's just a gem on this team for me, and uh, I think he is the best player in the league in a lot of ways. Uh, he sets up. Uh, it just seems like almost every goal these days. I mean, he would have set he would have set up that great chance for for Ricketts, and he got it back to him. So I think that's kind of I think that's pretty fair. If we exit this game, and we quickly talk about the guys who stood out. I mean, a lot of players stood out in this game uh you know and i would say was it a perfect game no you should we should put that asterisk but i mean obviously we gave up a goal um but it wasn't you know a thorough beating you know it wasn't like the columbus game at home it wasn't really like the the nycfc game at home any of those kind of performances but 
I think when you look at Chicago as a potential playoff foe or a playoff competition, you know, you have to you have to say to yourself, you know, that's this is still an important result that hey, if we go if we do a home and away or two legs against them, I mean, we're sitting at 6-2 as it stands now. I think that's this result regardless of how we got it, I think is critical for our confidence and then having that confidence over Chicago should we meet again because I think they will be doubting themselves. And if we look at, you know, who stood out in this game, I thought, you know, again, I thought a lot of players played quite well. I don't think there was really any players that were like, man, this this was a terrible performance from so-and-so. Everyone, I think, put in a pretty good shift. Uh, I think a lot of talk's going to be about Delgado and the game that he played. I thought Bono had obviously some pretty key saves. He was pretty good, although he did have some pretty atrocious I mean he had two that one ball where he shanked it and the other one where he just kicked that's something just to, just to keep an eye on Bono um, your shot stopping has been good you've been pretty good in the air but there has been a couple plays where you're just like what did he and he's done it like in the few games you know where he's kind of just like passed the ball straight up the middle to the other team uh, so that was a little red flag but I thought and Vasquez I thought Vasquez was good in this game but I would say I would say the the glue that's keeping all this together is probably Michael Bradley. I think, I, you know, he, he, he's not doing anything in terms of, you know, really wowing you, but I think he's kind of like rolling up his sleeves and doing the blue collar work. That's not, you know, doesn't get a lot of the credit, but I think without him and with Shea injured, I would add that in there without, without him in there, a lot of this, you know, linking up from the back line forward doesn't happen. And so much, he cleans up so much shit around the top of the 18 in, in, in defense. Um, and, and that's not a knock at the defense. That's just the way we're set up. That And his engine, I mean, he just never, like, he's not f- particularly fast, uh, but his engine is just like, man, like, what's the equivalent? I can't think of a car that has, like, you know, eight hours on the tank, but something like that. I mean, he just goes and goes and goes and goes. So that's probably the one thing I would put out there. Is that uh, you know everyone? There was people who obviously changed the game and pulled the strings, but I would put that caveat that I feel like Michael Bradley's role is has been such a huge factor in this season and and where we've gotten. And then the other thing I was kind of humming and hawing. Has anyone else thought about this? Because I'm looking at Victor Vasquez, and you know he's he made that great run right where he almost scored the goal. I was observing on the podcast a week or two ago how you know he's really got deceptive speed he actually is a lot quicker than he looks and i was like does anyone think that like if you walked by him on the street would you be like yeah that guy's like a this guy's one of the best players on tfc and he was at the barcelona academy i mean i wouldn't be if you were like this guy's a shopkeeper i don't think (laughs) i'm like what job i'm trying to put out there what job does he actually look like he does because i wouldn't say professional footballer is it he just like i was like i thought accountant might have been too obvious but i was like there's got to be something where it's like i don't know bookkeeper store owner something like that it's just i just would never have like pegs you know some guys kind of have like a little flair to them or something in their their mojo and i'm just like i don't get it from him but anyways so that that pretty much wraps up wraps up the game i mean toronto fc are sitting pretty uh in a great position at the table i mean we're we're pretty much in i don't want to say cruise control i saw i did see a tweet i think it was calling freeboy to kurt saying are we peaking too soon he was like i wouldn't say this was a great great performance and you know, I would say there is two things about that. I would agree. I don't know if I, I don't know if any of these performances. I mean, the home games are good, but I'm not. I'm not too worried because the thing is, this team. This is the weird thing is I don't know if 
I haven't looked back on LA Galaxy's seasons to see how they sort of played out over the entire year. But I mean, part of me is like, I've been on this podcast saying clearly, like, oh, an MLS season, you know, it's not a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's like you're trying to catch that wave. It's you're trying to peak at the right time. But last week we kind of started talking about this where I was like, does, does, is Toronto FC going to be the team that just sort of puts that theory out the window? Because they've been pretty steady through the whole year. There hasn't been too many stretches where we've looked poor. And I don't think there's been too many teams have been this consistent at this point, I think, and then have totally dropped off. Um, you know, the teams that are kind of... St- the one team that I really recall... Well, two teams, actually, was Montreal and Dallas. So I think it was Dallas Dallas in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, had a great season and then just really shit the bed. And then Montreal, the year they f- got into the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken, they just got into playoffs by the skin of their teeth because they really dropped off. But I think they would have been dropping off. They, their form would have dropped or dipped sooner than where we are now. And I'm sure there must have been indicators before then that, you know, this, this, we got some things to be concerned about. Because, I mean, in terms of Toronto right now, I mean, I think they can, they can continue this. And I just think you look at the, the body language of Altidore and Jovinko and Bradley and Vasquez. I just think these guys, I mean, they look like they're, play, they're playing for... December and they're playing for greatness and they're playing to be the best there it seems like that's on their radar is to be the best team uh bar none hands down and the best team doesn't go on I mean well hey I'm I'm gonna steal one of Bradley's sound bites was it good teams don't lose two in a row I mean he said that a few years ago if I'm not was a few uh, 2015 I think he might have said that or was it 2014 I don't remember but that was his sound bite and we kind of laughed at that because we were like, you know, you're on Toronto FC. <laughs> we lose two games in a row a lot. And uh, that's maybe something to can think about now because this is a state we're in. And maybe they're just like, seems to got it down in terms of just leadership and, and pulling through. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I know last week we got really excited about things that are going on. But anyways, that's something that I'm flagging where it's like, let's see how this season plays out. And... There's still games to circle on the calendar. Obviously, the Montreal game coming up next weekend. I mean, we have Philadelphia midweek, but Montreal next weekend, that's going to be another one, I think, that we got to circle because Montreal is looking awesome right now. Piatti's looking incredible. Uh, playing for a new contract. Uh, that team is... And Jackson Hamel is playing incredible. I mean, there's a lot of good things going on with Montreal at this exact moment where they're, you could say, starting to peak at the right time if we want to kind of say it like that but that's the thing i'm just gonna just to say and then let's not forget this season ends away to atlanta that's the other fixture i'm gonna keep my eye on because that's an opponent i think we need to watch for that i think could be really dangerous especially in the playoffs and they tied us at home at the start of the year so you kind of want to get out there and kind of get one back on them i i would be concerned if we go there and we like draw one one or even lose because then you're kind of like ooh. Now they've kind of got one up on us over two legs, so I'd be worried about that. Okay, I can't believe I've talked as long as I have, and I had things I wanted to talk post-game. There's two things that quickly, that happened through the week. Do we call this smoke and mirrors? I don't know. And I don't know how long I'll talk about it because I might get someone on the podcast uh, next weekend that might want to have a chat about these things. But obviously, 
the two things, the two things that came out that I kind of was wanted to talk about. One, TFC raises their ticket prices. Now, I won't go on a crazy rant about it, but I will. I will sort of say my position. A, yeah, you know, it's it's not that significant. Can I afford it? Clearly, I can. However, I do think there should be criticism leveled on raising ticket prices, despite some saying it's not a big deal. For me, it's. I've said this before. That I feel like. You know, you have we have Manning in there. We have Bezbachenko. Uh, you know, a lot of people who just really weren't around for the absolute shittiest. You know, tw- I guess some people were around there in 2013, but that's only one year. And most of us who follow this team have been there since 2007. You know, you got to kind of raise this red flag where it's like, yeah, we're we're just going to keep taking and taking, and you know, we'll just take a little bit more and a little bit more. It it, it just it just it feels like. 2009, 2010, 2011. I think those were the really the bad, bad years, right? And then I think it was 2012 where they rolled them back. Where we, they, we just kind of get, you know, I feel like we were taken for granted. And they felt that they're looking at it just from that sort of like, I fucking hate that business marketing spreadsheet shit where they're like, this is the percentage range, that blah, blah, blah. And yet, you know, where they kind of like calculate it out where... Oh, maybe some people might drop out, but you know, we have now we have a waiting list and we can get away with this. That's sort of kind of I feel like it is. It, to me, it doesn't speak to loyalty. That's maybe my problem. And I think that's I think that's still a problem with Toronto FC. I still think as good as we've been in the last two years, I don't think that I don't think the wounds from those first years have completely healed over. Um, or they could be easily reopened. And I think something like this could come back and bite them in the ass. Now, maybe they'll come up with some things to sweeten the pot. Um, you know, obviously, we're in the Champions League. That's going to be a big deal. So, I mean, and, and as we've said, you know, winning kind of cures everything. Uh, put a winner on the field and you can be forgiven for a lot. But I still, I still think, I don't know. I still just, I just, I still think I need to, I just would just raise that flag. If I was in TFC management, I would probably say, if we do it this year, then we, if, then if we, let's say we win an MLS cup, you know, it'd be a really nice, you know, it'd be the, pretty much the biggest thing for our supporters ever is if we didn't raise them the following year. I mean, that would, that would probably lock down loyalty for a decade, at least maybe even for, for forever. Um, I think that would go a long way. So I throw that out there. Second one that I wanted to, to touch on quick was the story of Toronto C moving to TFC two, moving to Lampert Stadium. Oh wow, what a surprise that Toronto C two move into the downtown area. Oh, who saw that coming? Nobody, I'm sure. Well, uh, Bill Manning, after his start of the year, whatever sound bites in Sportsnet and the Sun and on Vocal Minority podcast trying to tell us that you know there shouldn't be a team in Toronto in the Canadian Premier League and if it is it should be Toronto FC2 yada 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 and uh, they leave Vaughn the Ontario Soccer Centre and I think I think Toronto FC now thinks they've got some serious weight because they've put so much money into uh, Ontario Soccer that they, they probably don't feel like they're obligated to play up there anymore but at the end of the day they haven't made a very good go of it I have to I have to be if I'm going to be critical at the end of the day I think they've They've done a really poor job at managing Toronto C2. I think it could have been a lot better. I mean, going up to Vaughn, I would have questioned the first place, but at the same time, I think there would there's still opportunity. There was an opportunity up there, and I just and, it's, and with that team, and I just feel like they're just running the, they're just kind of like go out there and play. I don't know if I see like a real hardcore vision for for TFC2 and and what they can and should be. 
And I don't see, I honestly don't also don't see them as you probably would expect where it's like some sort of clearly defined roadway into the first team. I think it's just they're just playing and if a guy starts playing good, then they'll give him a chance. Um, I don't see that as a part of their scouting or identifying. But so my the the thing the, the conversation I the funny thing is uh, you know I put out one tweet kind of like saying you know I kind of feel like it's one they think they're going to position themselves to be in the league and they're also kind of like cock blocking another team coming in and my honest thought is is that this is like again an old school TFC move where it's like a short term solution to a long term problem. Um, that was an expression that was used with them a long time, like in the, those early years. I just don't think there's a lot of foresight into that move. I think really it is the MLS and especially these Canadian teams, I think are shitting themselves a bit that there's going to be another soccer league that MLS doesn't have influence over and Toronto C is shitting themselves that there could be another team in the area that they have no influence over and they shouldn't. I really don't think they should. I mean, especially, Hey, you're Toronto FC. And, uh, you know, if you're not going to, if you're not going to make a real hard, and it's like, I understand that, uh, Bill Manning said, you know, our fans put winning as a priority. Um, you know, I think there's some times where you have to say, yeah, I understand that, but we're a Canadian team and we're playing in Toronto. And I think that part of our mandate should be that we're going to give Canadians a leg up and identify, you know, one or two that we are going to push like every American team gives American players a lot of opportunities. I mean, Christian, I mean, okay, there was, there was injuries to Chicago. So Christian Dean, I shouldn't use him as an example, but I was going to say like, he's a guy that hasn't played much at all in, in Vancouver and got his time. But I think, you know, there's a lot of American guys that really were allowed because of how many teams are in the U S and of course the status that American players have in the league that they get a lot of opportunities over and over and over and Canadian players don't get or haven't at least until you, I guess you can make the case going forward they might but they haven't in the past so my point being I haven't even got to the actual the thing at hand I want to talk about because it's, you know there was there was a tweet and I, I won't say I don't think I'll name it out but I mean everyone who would have seen it would have heard it and so I'm just saying like this but it was, it was something where I was like you know, when it comes to soccer in Toronto, like it, it is Toronto FC, and people see Toronto, I think, as Toronto FC or Toronto FC as Toronto. Da 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 da. And I disagree. Uh, I I do think a team, a second team, can exist in this city. I mean, the big question is where is that going to be? Uh, and it's unfortunate that like Varsity Stadium uh, kind of got ran out to the way it was because I was like that would have been a, a prime time location. Um, whether there's any wiggle room to build in another stand in and around there. I don't know and change that up. Uh, but you know, my thing is that, you know, there's, there's however many people that come out to a TFC game. I, I truly believe in this city of Toronto or the GTA, I mean, there's gotta be, I would say easily tens of thousands of soccer fans who don't, don't regularly support TFC. And, you know, whether they're, they might be Euro snobs or, or South American snob, whatever you want to put that, you know, I'm putting that in quotes next to their names. Um, I do think there's also a contingent of people who, who don't particularly want to support Toronto C or MLS C. And I think at a grassroots level that exists. And I think when you look at the attendance figures for what the Canadian Premier League might be hoping for, I'm sure it's between five and 10,000 a game. I think that a second team in the in, in the downtown area could draw that 
it would depend definitely on a really strong ownership group who have a really clear vision of what they want to do. And I definitely, you know, there's, there's academies in and around the GTA who I think would be, that could hit the ground running in terms of from a technical side of things that would, at least in terms of the product and the infrastructure, the, the team would be a success right from the start. I'm sure there's people that totally disagree with that. Totally fine. But here's the other thing I was thinking too, was that like Toronto's team moving into downtown and, you know, the, obviously the, Can the Canadian Premier League discussion also goes around, you know, there's maybe a team that, that you could put in Vaughan and there's maybe a team you could put in Mississauga. Where I thought that was a bit short-sighted because now there's no direct imprint. Now there is some academies that help them, but I mean, I just really thought TFC2 could have ingrained itself a little bit more in that region of North Toronto. And there's so much going on up there, especially with Woodbridge and Vaughn being just these incredible academies, turning out really talented players. Um, but there doesn't, to me, there doesn't seem to be a huge relationship there. And of course, you'd also have to throw in Sigma and possibly Durham, who don't, from my, from what I've seen, don't see, I just think TFC, you would have thought that they would be like, this would be your, you could have built a network with these guys. That would have been an incredible pipeline of talent. Uh, into your thing, but I just think that it's one of those situations where I think TSE thinks they know best and you know the, to be fair uh, I think these academies are probably have people that are stronger technically than who are currently at Toronto FC so I my point was that with a t like you know if the Canadian Premier League goes in those outside areas I think that is just as damaging to Toronto FC I mean you're you're lock you're blocking yourself out of another key region I mean there's a Mississauga is a hotbed of players. North Toronto is a hotbed of players. Uh, Brampton is, is a hotbed of players. And you might be blocking yourself out of there if a Canadian Premier League team gets in there. So I just don't think, I just, I don't know, something about that, that move. I mean, it's clearly what it is. I think, it's, I think it, was, it was a move designed to try to keep out uh, a Canadian Premier League. And it was more about market share, which is funny because you go to BMO, and uh, you, if, I don't know if anyone's noticed, but there's a GO train that pulls up that drops off hundreds, if not thousands of people a game. They're not from downtown. They're coming in from Mississauga. They're coming in from Oakville. They're coming in from the suburbs. Any team outside of the downtown could affect you, even as far away as Hamilton. So, which is, I guess, they know that because obviously MLC has never wanted a hockey team in Hamilton either. Anyways, I digress on that point. I've this. I cannot believe how long I've talked by myself. I'm gonna finish this on two quick things: my sights and sounds for the game at Football Factory. Hey, I drank this beer called the Red Thread Brewing. They had a beer called 2313. I was like, ah, oh, I just wanted some, you know, light, light beer, like a lager of some kind to drink during the game because I don't want to get wasted. And uh, they were like, oh, 23-13. It was the, for the first goal. And I was like, hey, we're playing Chicago Fire. I will try that beer. And I think that there, it's called Red Thread Brewing. And this beer in particular uh, has some sort of like um, affiliation with the Red Patch Boys. I think if you buy this beer, something goes to a charity. So I would say keep your eye out for this Red Thread Brewing. Red Thread Brewing and it's called 23-13, this lager. I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. And then the last thing... Hey, guess who was at the football factory? It was Subasa Endo. Didn't make the trip. And it was his birthday, everyone. Way to go, Subasa Endo. I think, wait a second, that's not, that's kind of shitty. It was his birthday and the coach left him behind. That's unfortunate. And when I was, when I was about to, I looked over and I was like, that looks like Subasa. And he was celebrating, I should say. He was very happy with the win. He was clapping. Um, Carly was like, you should go over and say hi and wish him a happy birthday because I'm, I'm there all the time. They know I go over there and watch TFC games. 
And I was like, no, I can't do that because I talk shit about it all the time. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be two-faced. I'm not gonna say, "Hey, man, Subasendo, I'm a big fan." I think people do that with like boxers and fighters and stuff, where it's like they they talk shit about them, and then when they meet them, they act like they're friends. I guess they do that with footballers too, I'm sure, and other athletes. But um, I wasn't gonna do it. Uh, small guy. He's not very big. He does have big hair. And uh, so those are my two observations from the game I won't I guess I won't go uh, I'm gonna wrap it up so the next game is midweek against Philadelphia I don't know do a podcast after that because midweeks are just like I've said before a pain in the ass and then uh, the next home game I think it's if I saw that right it was Sunday in Montreal weird time 4 30 or something like that but that's the, that's gonna be one to really keep our eye on so um, yeah trying to see three one win over Chicago that was a great win I mean the results are great a lot of good things to talk about uh, and I can't this is crazy i went 40 minutes by myself i cannot believe that really strange um maybe i'll edit this down to be a bit shorter and it won't be a 40 minute podcast but i'll leave it at that uh everyone knows where you can get me at clark rno on twitter uh info or have your say at rednationonline.ca uh and that's pretty much it uh you can or tweet us at rednationonline yeah i'll say i'll just leave it at that guys a great win uh looking forward to what's coming up down the pipe and uh thanks for listening we'll catch you next time want you to get involved reach out to us on twitter at red nation online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca get in touch with us let us know how you thought the team did agree disagree it doesn't matter also check out our other podcasts on red nation online from the black hole ours is the fury in our interview series thanks for listening and we'll catch you guys next time